It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. Everybody else sucks, man. I am the best. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. Hey, it's Wheeler Walker Jr. here. The Pussy Kang, the pop country killing machine. Doesn't really rhyme, but I fucking made it rhyme. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. Just woke up to some news this morning. Banned from Walmart. Banned from Kmart. Banned from Best Buy. Fuck all you corporate fuckers, man. That kind of bums me out, honestly. You know, people in small towns, sometimes it's the only place you can buy an album, you know. But, uh... I told you, man, it's a, it's a fucking C-O-N-spiracy, as they like to say. It's a music rose trying to make sure this album doesn't debut at number one because it'll fuck up everything they're doing, man. This is fucking war. My new album, Old Wheeler. iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, all promise they're going to sell it. So fuck these other corporate fucks. We're going to get this album to number one if it's the last fucking thing I do. I just found out that Sony's after me now because Sony's got an a- album by this guy Luke Combs. He's supposed to be this hot new shit, and they're putting his album out the same day as mine. Hashtag Gomes over. We're going to take this fucking fucker down. They're saying this guy's the ev- quote-unquote everyman. Well, I'll tell you what. If every man looked like Luke Combs, I'd be getting a lot more pussy. We're taking this fucker down. This is war. This is Wheeler versus the world right here. And we're going to take all these fuckers out. Like I said, music sit. Music Rose trying to shut down fucking old Wheeler. It ain't gonna happen. Ban me from every fucking store you want. People are gonna find this fucking record. Um, got a great guest today. One of the funniest dudes out there. Bill Burr. Um, he was a Wheeler fan. He showed up to my show in L.A. and we met and talked. And uh, He's a cool fucking dude. Um, funnier than a motherfucker. Uh... He's got a new Netflix special. It's called I'm Sorry You Feel That Way. I had to write it down because I can't remember. It's hard to remember uh, stand-up specials, the titles. Bigger and Blacker, I remember that. Unless you unless you, you title your uh, special after a black cock, it's hard to remember the fucking name of it. <sighs> anyway, um, well, obviously my episode one was a huge fucking hit on the podcast store. I guess I don't know. To be honest, I'm recording this before episode one comes out, the Stapleton one. But um, I'll bet it was a hit because it's got my fucking name on everything I do. Fucking turns to fucking gold. Um, not sure if you guys saw the video, the the premiere of uh the new Puss in Boots video exclusively on Pornhub. Man, it's fucking weird. We did a video for Pornhub. There were fucking naked chicks around. I didn't even get a boner. I was so nervous about dancing and shit. And I went to the Pornhub site to watch my video. And underneath the video, I swear to God, there's a fucking, uh, there's a video of the girl in the video fucking sucking this dude's dick and just and butt-fucking him and shit. And one of the girls in the video who I met, she was on set. I guess I can say her name. I think it's Anna DeVille. I went to her Twitter. It's a picture of her shooting a fucking butt plug out of her fucking asshole. Um... It's crazy. I know a girl who does that. Anyway, another another picture she posted on her fucking Twitter was like, my asshole looks like a heart. It's shaped like a heart. And I looked at it, and her fucking asshole shaped exactly like a fucking heart, man. How about that for a valentine? Anyway, so these girls, uh, they were really cool, but they wanted us, they made us sign this thing so we wouldn't take pictures on the set. 
so no nude pictures would leak. And next thing you know, they're fucking shooting shit out of their assholes and showing off how their fucking, you know, assholes look like hearts. So, you know, you gotta watch it with this shit. But they were cool. Um, showed off their tits for the video. You know, that's how you beat Luke Combs. He ain't making no fucking videos with titties in them, showing them on fucking Pornhub. What's he doing? Going on Fallon, that fucking shitty show? Smiling for the cameras like a fucking douchebag? I'm taking this fucker out. I'm sick of these corporate fucks in Nashville. Don't understand what the fuck I'm doing and thinking I can't sell records. Fuck you also, all you motherfuckers. I I woke up in a fucking bad mood. I'm just pissed that I'm going to be outsold by Luke Combs. But with your help, it won't happen. Every vote for Luke Combs is a vote for corporate country, and every purchase of my album is a vote for the real shit. Let's turn this into a fucking uh, war, you know? Build that wall. Build that wall around uh, around Luke Combs. So, uh, I also I figured uh, it'd be cool to play you this. I had a Puss in Boots, a song I wrote with a buddy of mine, and a... Uh, People wonder how I, uh, you know, write my songs or how I go in the studio. So I thought it'd be cool as a Weedle Walker Jr. podcast exclusive to play you the first time I ever played. After we wrote Puss in Boots, I played it with a buddy of mine. Recorded it on my iPhone. So this is the first, this is the demo we used to record that I played for Dave Cobb. We just played it once and the band can learn it from that. We played uh, Puss in Boots from this demo and then we recorded it from this. So this is the first, this is right after we wrote it. I sat around with my buddy and we played it onto my iPhone. So here's the recording of the original demo of Puss in Boots and Fuck Luke Combs. Anyway, here it is. One, two, three. On L.A. West Coast silicone rimming where they think they're hot But it's no fun titty fucking titties when the titties are hard as rocks And up in New York
Like my pussy is blue My girl knows how to honk and talk Humming along to the wind and tune While she's humming on my cock and ball I want a girl in a cowboy hat My tongue knows where my butthole's at Bush poking out of baby dukes I like my pussy in Hey, that was pretty cool. I hadn't listened to that since we made the demo, but you could tell even with that, there's a good song in there. Um, and we were having fun, and that's what it's all about. So, um, I uh, the first record was 11 songs, and the new one's 11 songs. But the last record, I wrote all 11 songs myself, and this one, four of the tunes, I co wrote with some friends. So, uh, Total of 22 songs in 18 I wrote by myself. That puts me in the upper echelon of country songwriters in Nashville, which the press won't tell you. But that's why I got my own podcast, to tell you this shit myself. I gotta use this to brag about myself, because no one will fucking talk to me. But fuck them all, anyway. But yeah, that demo sounded pretty good. I thought um, you could hear what the song was. Obviously, you know, the band and cop took it to a whole a fucking other level. And them titties, you know, certainly didn't hurt things. And putting it up on Pornhub, those guys were cool to me, so that was cool. Um, oh, yeah, we got some... Oh, yeah, I was supposed to talk about my shows here. We're doing a week of uh, record release shows. <clears throat> you can hear that. If you tr- if you crank it, you can hear that burp, like, coming up from the bottom. It just kind of moves its way up my fucking belly. So the record release show is June 2nd. Exit in Nashville. That's my home base, so you know that's where I'll get some pussy there and take it home. June sixth, New York City Bowery Ballroom. Um, June eighth, the Troubadour in Los Angeles, where a bunch of bunch of fucking shitty bands got their start. But the Troubadour in Los Angeles, good luck. That one's sold out, so you got to go on what's that thing, StubHub or something, and pay like ten fucking grand for a ticket, but. Shit, I almost forgot we got a sponsor now. Let me read the sponsor shit. Do you have trouble while you're eating pussy? Do you have trouble breathing while you're doing so? Well, you need, must need a pussy snorkel. The pussy snorkel from the Screaming O Company. To make put this shit on your face while you're eating out that muff. And never worry about losing your breath again. The pussy snorkel from Screaming O. It's the only fucking... uh company that would sponsor my podcast it's a fucking pussy snorkel but i will say unless you're buying a screaming up pussy snorkel you ain't doing it right all other pussy snorkels are pieces of shit only buy your pussy or snorkel from the screaming oak corporation they got it on amazon i've done it and it saved my life uh, 35 times here's my bill burr uh, interview brought to you by the pussy snorkel from screaming oak it's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. Everybody else sucks, man. I am the best. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. Hello. Bill Burr. Yes, sir. Wheeler Walker Jr., how are you, man? Wheeler. Congratulations Good t- on your second album, man. Oh, thanks, man. You heard I sent you a copy, right? I don't know I if I did. Not. I have yet to receive a copy. Last time I saw you, you were tearing it up at the uh, Superdor. Oh yeah, that's right. Santa Monica, out here in West Hollywood. 
Yeah, you came to the show. I appreciate that. That was awesome. And we got hooked up through our mutual friend, Steve Gorman. That's uh, right. For people That's who don't right. know. Steve Gorman Sports. Yeah, the, for people who don't know, the drummer for the great uh, Black Crows. That's right. Thank you for uh, your, and you're a drummer too, right? Well, I'm a comedian that plays drums, and you'd understand that the second you saw me play. <laughs> you, 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 want, you want to audition? For the band? We get, Dude, I'll sit in. Next time you come to town, I'll learn one of your songs. You know, if you want, I'll sit in. I saw your band. Your band was great, so I don't know if you want to have the quality of the show no, for no. about three and a half, four minutes. Oh, I, but f- I'll get up there. I'd fucking love it. Um, anyway, we're doing right. the Wheeler podcast now, and I'm a big fan of your... Well, you actually kind of killed me on the podcast thing, because I was like, I heard you, you know, I listened to your rants, and I was like, I'll just... I don't even need to do interviews. I'll just fucking rant... Because I got a lot of shit to say. Yeah. I'm pissed off. And I sat down. And I'm like, I'm going to rant. And I I felt like I was ranting for like four hours. And I checked and I pressed stop on the record thing. And I, it was like six minutes and two seconds. How the, yeah. fuck, how the fuck do you do it for an hour? <laughs> well, I started off doing six minutes and two seconds. It's like building an act. And, you know, you just, you know, you just, it's all momentum. You just start running. And then when you run out of gas, you make fun of running out of gas. And then you look around, you see something else, you run over there. It's, uh, I don't know. If I actually were to think about it, I probably couldn't do it. Well, so, well sorry for it well, information I could have used a couple of weeks ago when I first started doing this before it became a disaster. Well, I mean, it's just like starting stand-up, man. It's not like you went up and did an hour your first night. You went up well, and you did five minutes. You, that's my th- you actually did an extra minute and two. Yeah, that's what my, my, I was trying to explain to my manager. He's like, you know, you got to do a podcast. I'm like... I'm a country singer. I ain't no fucking broadcaster. I don't know how to do this shit. Um, hey, did they tell Hank Williams to do a podcast? I don't think they did. No, but I'll bet he... In the old days, of those, all those country guys had radio shows, so I'm trying to think of it like that, you know, that way. But I don't get to play songs, you know, is my is my problem. Oh, okay. Anyway, you Killer... little ditties. Kill, kill, killer new special, Walk Your Way Out, right? That's right. It's um, on uh, Netflix. It's on... Uh, I fucking love you're one of my favorite comedians, if not my favorite. It's fucking hilarious, man. Um, Thank you. And uh, like I said, love the podcast. Um, how do I buy an ad on your podcast? I uh, just hook you up with my ad guy, and uh, we'll give you the Wheeler Walker discount. Nice. <laughs> I'm in. You, you take PayPal? Uh, I think so. I don't handle that aspect of it, you know. All right. I'm on the Elvis end. You know, I'm just buying peanut butter sandwiches <laughs> and flying around telling jokes. So hope, I don't know hope you're not getting the Elvis percentage. Didn't uh, didn't Colonel T- Parker t- end up taking like seventy percent or some shit? I um I don't know that he took a lot from Elvis as much as he gave too much to the promoters, but it was kind of Led Zeppelin that came. Peter Grant, who uh, from what I've basically read is arguably the greatest manager of all time. When Zeppelin came around, believe it or not, the promoters would take 90% of the door and they gave the act 10%. Something crazy like that. Granted, I believe I read this in Hammer of the Gods and everything in that book is basically just made up a bunch of crap. But Yeah, but it's fun crap. Um, it's fun. It's definitely fun crap. But uh, he was the guy. Whatever the percentage was, it, it was in favor of the promoter. Nine, even 90-10 seems crazy, but... Um, Peter Grant was the one who basically said, look, they're not coming here to look at the building. They're coming here to see Led Zeppelin. All right. If you guys don't book us, we're going to go across the street and 
you know, that's back then when promoters had a lot of power too. Where, uh, like I know, like when, if you go to San Francisco and you talk to some of the old school guys that were in promotion, you know that Bill Graham presents. Yeah, there was a, a there was a nick another nickname for that uh, based off of that from the other promoters in the area it was called Bill Graham prevents. So it was basically, you know, he prevented these other promoters from getting any of the acts because he owned, he had so much power that he was like, if you work for that other promoter, you're never working for me. So he prevented these other guys from making a living, I guess, or as much of a living as they wanted to. So yeah, it's back, back in them, probably like the mafia days where it's like, you fuck, you go to the wrong place and you're in trouble, I guess is what it is. Um, yeah, there was always like, yeah, there was big time guys. Everybody was sort of in it with the mob but uh by the time i i got into the business that all kind of died out in the 80s and i started in the 90s but what was cool was it was only 10 years earlier the end of it so there was a lot of guys that i talked so that shit happened in comedy too with all with that trying to monopolize oh yeah yep i'm not gonna name the club but there was a club in boston that had mob money in it certainly when you went out to las vegas the old blackjack dealers and they tell you straight up they say look man it was way better when the mob ran it because all the mob did was they just took the gambling and everything else they gave away. They just wanted you to get out of it. They weren't like as, as greedy as these corporations are. Like remember back in the day, like, you go to Vegas, you get a steak for like two bucks. You can't do that anymore. They just gave everything away, but they, cause they, but you know, you went there and you gambled, you lost your shirt. Of course you already paid for the steak, but uh, I don't know. Even the acts that you were treated better. Yeah. That, that, uh, that the Zeppelin manager was that, that really big guy, right? Peter Grant, yeah. Um, what was the movie where towards they... the end, towards the end, Bonham put on so much weight, and a lot of the photos you got to look twice to be like, is that Peter Grant or is that John Bonham? <laughs> yeah, I remember that was the book. Well, um, no, what was the, the the movie where where they like so they put all the they got all the money from the show at Madison Square Garden, they just got it in cash, right? And then they put it in a, yeah, yeah, in a safe in, in a hotel, and then they someone stole the money. Yep. Somebody said they definitely lost. Uh, they definitely got ripped off. Well, there was the, uh, there was the rumor that he he just took it, but who knows? Yep, there was a rumor that they took it. There was a rumor, I imagine, that the mob took it or whatever. Who knows? Maybe he beat him up too much. Peter Grant did. They didn't like the percentage. They're like, all right, we'll give it to you, then we'll steal it back. Yeah, I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you what. As a musician, I could use a Peter Grant right now instead of my guy who just keeps looking in my fucking fridge for food. Um, <laughs> Dude, everybody needs a Peter Grant. Yeah. Everybody. And what happens is, is essentially you have to be uh, on some level. You got to be paying attention. Uh, that's a big mistake everybody makes. They get a manager, an agent. They're like, well, I can take my hands off the wheel now, and that's not how it works. Yeah, I mean, you gotta... I wonder if this happened to you with touring because you know I'll go on tour and it's like we'll get to, I'll see that it's like, you know, manager, agent, lawyer, uh, the band, uh, business manager. By the time you're done, it's like. Congrats on the sold out Troubadour. You know, here's eight dollars. You know, whatever it is. Yeah, no, that's why I I don't have uh, I don't have a tour manager. I don't have it. It just becomes more people you have to pay, more people you have to talk to, and it really just becomes more time out of your day. Yeah, and, I mean that uh, this this last tour was the first time I ever really had a you know a, an appreciation for stand up. I'm just like, man, how fucking great would this be if I just had to grab a microphone and get on the stage? You know. So Absolutely. Do, well, well uh, when I when I the only time I do a tour manager is when I uh, is when I travel overseas, and it just makes it easier because you know going through customs and all this crap. Not that I have, I have a problem, 
And sometimes, you know, if there's a little bit of a language barrier, it's great to have somebody that can speak the native tongue and that type of stuff. But I did go through Southeast Asia without. I went to Singapore, Hong Kong, and India. And, uh, you know, I had to get through the airports and all that crap. Um, the promoters, for the most part, would meet me up at the hotel. But that was a little, uh, that was a little I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, I was a little uncomfortable with that. Yeah, that's a little weird. Where, where do you do best internationally? Where do I do best internationally? Um, where, where, actually, let me rephrase it. What's your favorite place to go? Oh, man. Um, I've really liked them all because I'm I'm loving traveling so much. Um, I don't know. When I went to Oslo, Norway, they were, they were just a really fun, crazy crowd. Stockholm's great. Helsinki, I got some of the really funny heckles. Ireland and Scotland are great hecklers. England's awesome because of the whole just um, being a music geek to play some of those theaters where, you know, I literally own live albums that were at some of the theaters, you know, when some of those huge bands were coming up when they were still playing smaller places. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and Ro- plus, Royal Albert but, Hall, did but, you ever play that? I have not played that. I feel that, like I have, I, a, I, I have a bunch of albums live at Royal Albert Hall. Yeah, and I went to, uh, I took a tour of it. And whenever I go to London, I always have to walk by and look at it and be like, I always think of that Zeppelin movie that they made there that I love so much. And um, no, what did I play? I played the, I played the Apollo the last time I came through there. And then I went up to Manchester. Manchester was a big one for me just because, you know, reading this book uh, Among the Thugs when I was a kid about when the soccer hooligan stuff was really out of control in the 80s. To go up there, I was like, I was intimidated when I went there. I was like, I better make these people laugh. The people in Manchester are a new joke, and uh, fortunately, they, you know, I came out on a good note, and I was able to to keep it going throughout. But Australia's fun. They're a bunch. They're like super polite and then like maniacs too. Like the level with which when they drink or if they get into a fight, I mean, you really don't want to be on the other side of that. <laughs> yeah, that's what it always, always freaks me out when I see these. Like the what do they ever call it? Football hooligans. It's like these nice, polite Englishmen. They just fucking lose it. It's kind of fun to watch. Yeah, I haven't done internet. We're we're supposed to maybe do the UK and Australia this year, which would be awesome. But like I said, with every paying everyone, I I don't know if I want to lose eight million dollars going over there. Oh, you got to yeah um, yeah. Just bring in how many guys are in your band? Uh, four. So there's five of us, which you know it's everything times five. And yeah, dude. apparently they have to eat yep. too. Plane ticket times five, hotel times five. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the whole thing times luggage times five. Yeah, who got me into this fucking racket? Yeah. You got to do your your unplug set. (laughs) Yeah, I got to do the Dylan thing. I was just, it's funny because I I was, uh, for my birthday, a friend got me the, um, remember when Dylan did that, that, uh, I don't know how much of a Dylan, I'm a Dylan fanatic, but he did that tour with the band and, they played electric and everyone booed him at every show. They just put out uh-huh. a they just put out a box set of every single concert from that tour. And a friend gave me that for my birthday, and it's like thirty six discs, which is cool. But it's the he they, he plays the same set every night. So by by right. di- by disc thirteen, you're like I get you know we're good we're good. Yeah, it's like you were on the tour with them. Now, are you listening to him getting booed every night? Yeah, it's just like it, you're basically listening to figure out when the audience turns on him. Oh, <laughs> see, that's the thing, you know, everybody sits there and, and, you know, I get so much, 
like people bringing up this that show that I did in Philly, and it's just like this guy, like Bob Dylan had something to lose. He had his entire career to lose, and he went out and got booed 36 nights in a row. I mean, I went out and did 12 minutes, 15 minutes in Philly. I, I, I'm glad you brought that. Next time somebody starts to, uh, you know, talk to me about that Philly thing, I'll just, you know, I'll bring up that. Or watching Stevie Ray Vaughan getting booed in uh, at that jazz festival. Yeah, that's that's what I tell because people always ask me. You know, you know, comedians probably always ask you about shit. Musicians always ask me, and I always about music. And I said, the most important thing to listen to is Bob Dylan live at Royal Albert Hall, which is the best rock show I've ever heard in my life and they scream mm-hmm. and the dude screams Judas at the end while they're all booing I've never heard music that good and he's and he got booed off the fuck Dylan with the band backing him up booed off stage I mean you're never and gonna... he, he called him a, a Judas in other words that he he betrayed the coffee house scene exactly yeah by going electric oh, yes yeah, wow. it's, it's it's known as a famous concert it's like the Judas concert and and Dylan talks back to him and he's like uh what's he say I think he says uh um, I don't believe you. Then he goes, and he just—you can hear him yell to, back to the band. He goes, "Play it fucking loud!" And they played "Like a Rolling Stone," and that was the end of the set. <laughs> and then somebody's complaining. All right, I'm I'm sold. I'm downloading that. I'm gonna yeah. download that. Yeah. And then then somebody's complaining, like you know, that you get a couple boos at the Troubadour. Like who gives a fuck? You know, Dylan's making history and getting booed off the fucking stage. Um, right. I don't know if you mind, but I'm I'm gonna throw a couple headlines your way just because I like hearing your your, your rants. Feel free to pass if you want to, because I don't want to make you okay. seem on. But there's a couple headlines that I saw recently. I was like, I'd love to hear Bill Burr's take on that. Okay. Um, this is a comedy one that interests me. Jimmy Fallon pressured to be more political to compete with Stephen Colbert. Your thoughts on that? That's stupid. That's like telling a a heavy metal band, you know, they need to play more country because the country's selling right. You got to be who you are. I think Jimmy's done pretty good. You know, I, what I would, what I would think what that means is that Colbert is catching up to him because it's a very politically charged, um, time. And that's like a classic industry thing. Do what's hot right now. Throw out everything that you do. That stuff that's built in bedrock. Let's just abandon our entire fan base. Like, like Fallon is an oasis from all of that stuff. I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. The last thing I want to do is listen to somebody talk more about politics. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, man, it's, it's fucking everywhere. I'm with you on that. I mean, Oh, and just the extremes, the gloom and doom, like, you know, he's going to make it great. This is, this is like, you know, Nazi Germany in the 1930s. It's just so like, it's, in, it's just, it's, you know what it's like? It was like when my wife was pregnant and I would talk to people that already had kids listening to parents, like the level of insanity is a through line of just like these people are crazy. And I, there was just a point where I just, I would just smile and just sort of walk away and say, I'm not listening to this anymore. And that's, that's kind of where I am with politics. You know what I say? I say, Jimmy Fallon, you stick to your guns. Yeah. All I'm, right? There's I'm, nothing I'm, wrong with going out. And this world is so jaded that a guy just going out and having a good time with people is considered soft now. Is there anything worse? You go to a dinner party and somebody starts bringing up politics. It's just like you basically just ruined the meal. Now everybody's going to start either fighting or everybody's in agreement, and then you start talking about doomsday, how whoever's in office now is going to you know bring us to the apocalypse. So yeah, I uh, had a I had a dinner the other night with some friends, and they got in an argument, but they were all on the same side. They all it's, that was that's the worst is when they're all like 
but they're trying to prove who's right for the right reasons. It's like everything now is politics. It drives me up the fucking wall. But I, yeah, I, I like your point, which I, is basically that's a weird note to give Fallon, which is, hey, we got one note, which is be somebody else. Yeah, Jimmy, you know all the success and all the millions we've made off of you? Uh, abandon all of that because somebody else seems to be doing something different that is working better for the last month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so take 20 years of the audience that you've built, throw that in the trash, and become somebody else. I mean, that's that's uh, yeah. Be, yeah. be John Stewart now. After after, like you're right. After they, he 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 was. I would assume he was number one for fucking years, and now all of a sudden, you know, someone else is doing Trump, and he's got to change his whole act. Um, hold- yeah, and here's the thing. And if that does, if he changes, if he does what the network says, and then it tanks. Do you think the network's going to be like, you know what? It was a bad note. We screwed up. Let's take it. Let's let Jimmy do his thing. They won't. They'll get rid of him and blame him and just say the ratings weren't there. Yeah, exactly. It's not like they're going to put out a tweet from NBC. Sorry. Sorry about that, Jimmy. Jimmy, sorry to destroy your career with our bad, with our panic note that we sent in a, when we were in an emotionally high state. Which, by the way, <laughs> we went to the press first before we went to you. Exactly. Okay, well, here's another one. Is fake news fooling kids? New report says yes. No, that's just the government. Um, that They're annoyed that their version of what's going on is not what people are looking at anymore. And the fact that nobody's buying newspapers, they're losing control, and they're freaking out. So they're, they're basically saying our lies are the truth, not your lies. Because everything's like... Unless you were there, and even then, even then, you'd have to be just the most diplomatic, like, don't have a dog in the fight type of person to try to actually convey what actually happened. I mean, it's something, like, I always feel that way with, like, jokes. Like, the second I say a joke and someone listens to it, the odds of it still being what I said are very rare because it goes into your brain and it's cut with your entire life experience, your childhood, everything. And then you process it. It's like drugs that have been stepped on. You know what I mean? It's like pure cocaine, and then you throw some, uh, what do they put in there? Are we laxative and stuff, you know? So Yeah, yeah you got to um, watch out for that shit. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, we're heroes. Everybody else are evildoers. And then the other way around is what, what, what it, we're infidels, and they're martyrs, and, you know, everybody's a hero when they look at themselves in the mirror. Exactly. Like, like, like <laughs> It's funny you say that because it's like, there's a report on how fake news is ruining kids, but you're also reading it. Like, how do you know that report's real? Like, I'm reading Yeah, it. how do I know this? Go so, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No. All right, how do I know that's not coming from, uh, you know, the Illuminati? He, he, I don't know. I don't know where that's coming from. For all I know, they're writing all this shit, yeah. Well, look, dude, CNN and Fox News are a joke. I mean, the fact that you're watching and you're watching so-called like journalists and you basically know who they voted for it's crazy it was never like that it was never like that when i was growing up there might be a every once in a while a journalist would slip and you're like oh you, you knew who they voted for but now the fact that like that they both lean so hard left and so hard right it's like you can't even take them wolf blitzer bill o'reilly i can't take any of those guys like I respect them, they're intelligent people, and they're you know they're well read on the subjects, but they're the conclusions that they're drawing 
are so perverted because of their their political leanings that you can only take it so seriously. Yeah, there ain't no, ain't no Cronkites anymore. I, I, I when I was a kid, I'm I'm with you on that. When I was a kid, it may, tell me if I'm right about this. It just felt like the it just wasn't so fucking divided all the time. Like I remember elections where my parents voted for different candidates. Like it was like funny at the time, you know, mom and dad voted uh-huh. for different people. Nowadays, they'd fucking take out you know it'd be a divorce. I feel like. Well. People knew back then. They they knew don't bring you don't you don't bring up religion or politics. You know back when there wasn't like a ninety million things to watch. You you, you socialized more with your neighbors. And when you went over, you didn't bring up politics and you didn't bring up religion. That was basically it. And you went over there and you had you had a good time. Somebody sat down and played a piano. You sang Jimmy Crack Corn, and that was that was the evening. <laughs> that was evening. Man, we got to bring Jimmy oh. Crack Corn back. Yeah, well, that's the Gotta quote. That the, the the famous quote is three things never to talk about with your friends is religion, politics, and the Great Pumpkin." That's from Charlie Brown and the Great Pumpkin. Maybe I, I oh, I, there you go. I, I took it from the wrong source there, but um, yeah, I mean, every Not you can't even you can't even talk about this this shit anymore. You know, it's driving me crazy. Like you can't like I went to the dentist the other day, which people don't believe because they say my teeth still look shitty. But in the waiting room, I got in a conversation about <laughs> fucking Trump. Like, I'm getting my fucking teeth cleaned. I don't need to talk about Trump with a stranger about get, who's about to get his teeth cleaned. They yeah, just no. they, they feel however, co- however, we're talking about it, and it's fine. I think most people are actually kind of cool. But I think if you scream and yell, you get a lot of attention. And, and uh, at this point, there's just so many channels that screaming and yelling is the only way to, uh, to get people. But um, I don't know. All that... I'll, I'll, all that fake news and stuff, you know, it does blow my mind. I, I really think that the people that, that, you know, make profit off of wars and stuff, I think they learned a lot with Vietnam that once they lost public opinion, public support, that the war was basically over. So I think there was a combination of knowing that and then hearing Vietnam veterans' stories of coming back and being disrespected, that, um, and there was a, a certain level of guilt from American citizens about some of the behavior of other American citizens, the way they treated veterans that now it's, it's now gone the other completely the other way that you can't even criticize, you know, what it is that we're doing over there without being branded a traitor, a communist or or ISIS supporter that needs to get out of the country. You know, just just the way, like I go to a lot of sporting events and every, like every game now, they got a military person, and we have one of our heroes, and then everybody has to stand up. Yes, I support him. I support the war. It's like they just keep reinforcing that mentality that, you know, if you criticize the war, that means you don't respect the veteran, which is, is asinine because it's like I'm a Patriots fan. If I was to criticize Bill Belichick, that doesn't mean I'm not a Patriots fan anymore. It'd just be like I don't like the direction he's taking the team in. But you can't do that anymore because it's been all been lumped into one thing that this they're over there fighting for your freedom if you criticize it in any way if you question it if you want to know how how much longer we're going to be over there if you if you want to ask anything about it you're automatically like this traitor and i and i don't think that is it's uh it's given way too much power to uh one side the the people who basically don't have to, to fight and profit off of it and i don't think that's a good thing for the rest of us that's interesting. Yeah, that's a cool point, man. I mean, never really thought about it. I mean, I'm with you, like you know, on the, like you, you. All I do when I turn on the news, it's basically they say a report and then they go, "Here's a guy who who thinks it's completely bullshit," and here's a guy who loves it. And then we got to listen to like the two extreme sides of it. It's like, 
we know what yell each at guy, each other. Yeah, we gotta. We know what each guy's gonna say. They both. They're just gonna scream at each other for fucking five minutes. And then go yeah, to, and at no point does anybody ever say from one side be like, you know what? I never looked at it that way. You've swayed my opinion. Okay, on that point, I agree with you. <laughs> like that's never happened. They just yell their points at each other, and it's considered somehow informing. Yeah, that guy would be the ki- <laughs> that that guy would be the king of the news if he if there was a guy who screamed his opinion and stopped and goes, you know what? You're right. Um, I like I like what you're, you're right. Yeah, you're it- right. All right, maybe maybe I, maybe I do have a little blue in my red tire. Maybe I got a little I got a little red in my blue tires. Whatever the hell it is. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's like well, Yankees and Red Sox fans. It's stupid. Yeah, I'm, I uh, I have a well. Not you're making me think of something, which is. My dad claimed my dad's a big Kentucky basketball fan. Goes to almost all the games. He claims that before nine eleven, they didn't do the um, uh, sing the Star Spangled Banner before every game. Is that true? I don't remember. No, they always played. It. Okay, well, they he, always played it. He certainly. Yeah, I grew up a hockey fan. They they played the Canadian one too. Well, he well he's fucking he's fucking wrong then. Um, yeah, because he's like he's 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 he's, <laughs> he's he's all mad at the terrorists that now he's got to stand up before the games. Well, I remember when uh, when Kaepernick wasn't standing up. Somebody literally goes like, "Yeah, he should stand up." And then on this, like they were just they were, they had just beaten that subject to death, and it literally got to the point where somebody just goes like, "Well, here's something. Uh, uh, what if you're at home and you're watching the, the beginning of the game and they're playing the national anthem? Should you stand up?" <laughs> the stupidest thing ever. It's like do whatever you want. You're in your house, you know. Stand up on your couch and sh- shake your junk around if you want. I don't care. You're home. Yeah. What do if whatever you want to do? What if you hear a, a, a marching band like practicing it while you're driving by? Do you jump out of the car and salute? I know it's the whole thing. It just becomes like they're trying to like out patriotic each other. I like to always ask my guests if you if it's not you know an even number, I don't mind. But your top al- albums of all time, like maybe if you could do three to five, would be great, or even a couple. How about, how about this? I'll tell you. How about I tell you that the, the my top like five country people that I'm listening to right now. Awesome, I love it. All right, I'm listening to George Jones, the best. Uh, and then uh, George and Tammy Wynette. I'm listening to. I'm listening to uh, Willie Nelson, and uh, from my childhood, I came back around. I'm listening to Johnny Paycheck, his greatest. <laughs> Greatest hits. How great Faces is how, gra- how great it. how great is that greatest hits record? Um, ragged uh, ragged know, ragged old truck. I, you know what I love about you know what I love about the same thing that I loved about hair metal is the same thing that I love about country music. As much as people make fun of both genres, people can play and they can sing, and the and and the music that you're listening to is is made by people. It's not you know done on a laptop. There's no pro tools. And I have a tremendous respect for uh, for musicians just having failed miserably at it, but I still love it. And um, but I, I love the outlaw. I love the outlaw, like the the tail end of like George Jones and then like those outlaw guys, uh, you know, Merle Haggard and uh, Waylon Jennings, all of those guys, man. Charlie Daniels, I like all of those guys. Those, all of those guys seem like yeah, you know, I'd have a beer with that guy. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna let you go, but thanks, but thanks again for the support, man. I appreciate it, and I agree 100. percent It's nice to, you know, to 
in this day and age to hear people who actually play their instruments as a music fan, which is ra- it's almost becoming yeah. a rarity. Like, when was the last time a band came to town that you're like, oh, I got to watch that band. The players are killer. It's it's kind of a dying art form in some yeah. way. Yeah. But um, well, I think at the pop level it is, and at the arena level. But if you go out to clubs, there's still there's a bunch of. It's just harder for people to get. There's just so many people out there making YouTube videos and stuff. But the, the players are still out there because I'll tell you another thing is, is, is you know these kids today when they're trying to learn an instrument, they can learn go on YouTube and learn in more in one night than it took me in a year of drum lessons. It's just the. The information's unbelievable. Like I just have to like, slow down the record, stick my ear up to the the speaker and stuff. And now you just got somebody breaking it down for you. So, which isn't the best for you know training your ears, but it's really good for technique. Like these kids' techniques. Some of these kids that come out and play, it's like Jesus Christ. You're playing at the level of some of the guys that I used to when I used to buy VHS instructional drum videos in the late '80s and early '90s. These kids are playing at that level of those, and they're like 15. They're unreal. So they're definitely out there, but I wish it was more in pop music, you know? Yeah, I heard. A, I was at the guitar store the other day in Nashville. I heard a six-year-old playing Norwegian Wood on the mandolin. It sounded, I almost started crying. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. every, 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 every little kid should be doing this. But um, anyway, yeah, I'll let you go, I'll man. Able. But uh, thank you so much, and I appreciate it. And everyone listen to, you know, I love your podcast, and uh, special's great, and a big fan, and it means a lot that you're a fan as well. So Don't worry. Thanks, man. All right, Wheeler. I'm definitely going to check you out next time you come to town, man. Yeah, and let me know when you're in Nashville, man. All right, buddy. We'll see you. Thank see you. you. Sure. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. Everybody else sucks, man. I am the best. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. Well, that was the great and talented and super funny Bill Burr. And really fucking smart, too. He's a smart guy. said a lot of cool shit that I interrupted. Um... So listen to his podcast, you can hear him say all that cool shit without me talking over him. Uh, But thanks, Bill, that was cool. Talk to you fuckers soon.